You are listening to the Living Way Church podcast. For more information about Living Way Church, go to livingwaychurch.cc. We are continuing our series on the supernatural today. We're going to dive into the uh, realm of angels and demons. And uh, there's my text number right there. And I have somebody's phone that was found. Uh... Okay, did you get your cowboy hat, partner? All right. There you go. All right. You might want that because here's my text number, and I'll be taking questions during the message about uh, angels and demons, supernatural. So uh, um, go ahead and get it ready, write it down, put it in your phone, and uh, feel free to text me. I'll be taking those questions at the end of the message. Um, we've been talking about the unseen world of the supernatural, the, uh, the reality of the world that you don't really see. Uh, last week, we focused on the idea of, uh, of Satan, the truth. Uh, behind Satan, he is real, he exists in his agenda to, uh, to his plot against us and our life. Um, these are our theme passages, Ephesians 6.12 says, For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, and against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. We are not alone. 2 Corinthians 10.3 also says, For though we live in the world, we do not wage a war in the world, or as the world does, the weapons we fight are not the weapons of the world. They're not slingshots and nuclear bombs. On the contrary, the war and the weapons that we have, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. And we're talking about the war between us and the enemy of our soul, which is Satan and his followers. We're going to talk about the army of evil today. We're going to talk about the angels and the fallen angels. We're going to talk about the good guys first. So let's talk about them. When we think about angels, we often think about that little precious moments babies, right? Here's a picture of some of them. Um, I especially like that one up at the top like this. Especially like that one. Isn't that precious? That's so precious. All right, all right. I'm just just curious. Just no judgment here. No judge. Who thinks that 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 these the baby you know angels are precious? Anybody? Come on. No judgment. No. Ju- <laughs> I'm lame. I'm just kidding. No judgment. No, I'm just kidding. No, really. Who does? No, nobody wants to raise their hand now. Well, that's cute. Really, Joseph. All right. All right, this is what we think of when we think of angels, um, but angels aren't like this at all. Angels were created actually by God. They're quite powerful. They're quite large, um, and the Bible gives a variety of descriptions of them. Gonna, we're going to unpack them first because to understand the enemy's army, we have to understand angels because the enemy's army are angels who have gone bad. So uh, angels are created spirit beings from God, and they're all around us. In fact, you don't even know when they're around. Hebrews tells us this in Hebrews 13, Jesus says, Don't forget to show hospitality to the strangers or to foreigners or people you don't know. For by doing so, some have shown hospitality to angels without even knowing it. So the Bible tells us that they are everywhere around us in our lives sometimes, and you may not even realize it. That homeless guy on the corner that you completely ignored might be an angel seeing how we are in our walk in our faith and that person that that we were rude to on the road or that person that we let the door hit them in the face when we walked through and we butted in line in front of her, you know, You never know. That person you showed kindness to, angels are all around us. Here's a couple of things about angels. If we're going to talk about the fallen, we need to know about the good guys. And that is number one, I want you to know this, that they are created as worshipers of God. They They were created as worshipers of God. Now, I've got additional scriptures in your notes to take home to study on these because we're going to just fly over these. There are hundreds and hundreds of references to angels in the scriptures uh, their primary role is to reflect the goodness of God Almighty. That is the number one reason why anything on this planet and anything in the heavens, anything in the universe was created. We are all created to reflect the glory and the goodness of an almighty God. And the number one priority of angels is they were created to worship 
and as worshipers of God. The second thing is that angels were created as warriors of God. Now, the Bible tells us that they are very powerful and they're able to take on entire armies of people. We actually looked at some of those verses a couple of weeks ago. And probably the most powerful and most popular warring angel, maybe you've heard of Michael the Archangel. Michael the Archangel is mentioned throughout Scripture and he is a warring angel. Now, what we don't know is if angels have wings or not. Now, angels are spirit beings, and we, they, they're called anointed in the Bible. And the word anointed means winged in the Old Testament. So um, sometimes you see the translated anointed. Sometimes you say, you see it winged. In fact, on the Ark of Covenant, there were two angels and their wings uh, touch each other's wings. And uh, we don't know, God designed the Ark, but we don't know if they actually have little wings. They don't need wings. They can fly without them. But when we, when we think of angels... You need to realize they were created as worshipers and as warriors. In fact, we looked in the Minor Prophets, we were talking about Zechariah. Zechariah's first four or five chapters are all about angels, and they're, they're just soldiers on horses. And they've got weapons, and they're riding chariots, and they're, they're created as warriors. Here's a third thing, is that they're created as workers, of God. They're created as workers of God. They're created to do the work of God. In fact, the word angel, everybody say messenger. The word angel means messenger. That's all it means. It means one who brings God's word, one who has a thus says the Lord, which is actually the same word that is very similar to the word for prophet. And it's also the same word that's very similar to leader and pastor. In fact, in the book of Revelation, in the, it says it, it talks to seven churches, and these seven churches, it calls to the angel of Ephesus, or the angel of this church, and, and uh, Laodicea, and, and the word angel there is actually the word pastor, overseer, or bishop. But so when we see the word angel, we need to know that they're not just people, though. They are actual workers, messengers, people assigned to, to God's work. Some of those Things that they're called to do is they're, they're messengers, like ones who bring good news. You know, probably the most popular and famous messenger angel is the angel Gabriel. Maybe you remember Gabriel from the story of Mary, who uh, got word from an angel that she was going to bring forth the Messiah. That was the angel Gabriel, the messenger that was sent to give her that word. And he's found in the Old and New Testament. Um, they're also known as directors, people who, who lead you and guide you. They're also known as protectors. These are part of their work. They're also protectors. They, they're called by God to, to put a hedge of protection or a, a roundabout protection around uh, individuals. And they're also uh, there to minister to us, to encourage us, to serve us, and to help us. So these are workers of God. They're worshipers of God. They're warriors of God, and they're workers of God throughout the scripture. Now, just so you're not confused, a few angel basics so that we know a little bit about angels because we're going to talk about fallen angels in a minute. And to know fallen angels, we must know angels. A few basics, and this is extremely important because we read those three and we think, wow. But here's what the Bible also says. I want you to know that they can temporarily at times take on human form. We see this throughout the Old Testament. And uh, that they can at times appear just like a person. In the, book of, uh, uh, in the book of Genesis, you have Abraham was often visited by the angel of the Lord. Sometimes that angel of the Lord turned out to be God himself in a temporary manifestation, a Christophany or a theophany. Uh, a lot of times it was an angel. You know, they were temporarily showing like you and me, they might show up at work and say, hey, by the way, the Apostle Paul was so convinced of this that the Apostle Paul says, if any spirit shows himself to you, even claiming to be me and preaches a different gospel, let him be a curse. So Paul says, be aware there might be angels among you that will try to tell you something, but if they contradict the gospel of Jesus, they're not an angel, they're a fallen angel, they're actually a demon. So he says, let them be cursed, but they can temporarily take on human form. Another basic to know is that they show emotions and exercise will. 
The Bible shows that they are actually ones who respond in worship and in celebration, and they respond in anger and frustration. And the Bible also tells us, last week we talked about Satan and how Satan uh, rebelled against God and, and gathered some angels on his side, and they exercised free will and followed after Satan. We're going to talk about that in just a second. That's the army. But they can exercise will. And you see this in the verse that I provided for you. Also, human beings, this is big. Do not become angel. Turn to your neighbor and say, I'll never be an angel. <laughs> and then if you're next to your wife or your girlfriend, say, oh, baby, you are an angel. <laughs> You've fallen from heaven, baby. No, because if you have fallen, you're a fallen angel. You're a demon. All right. <laughs> baby, you're not a fallen angel. <laughs> All right. Just a thought on that. All right. The Bible says that we are completely different beings created as different beings than angels. When you die, you do not become an angel. When you die, you become a person in heaven if you are a child of God and you are an eternal spirit. So you'll either go to heaven or hell, which we're going to talk about hell and heaven next week. So bring somebody who needs to know about the hope of heaven and the hope of Jesus next week, or maybe doesn't believe that there's a hell. We're going to talk about that next week. Angels are completely different beings altogether than you and me, okay? So we don't become angels, and this is the last thing, really important. We are never, ever, 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 everybody say ever. We are never, ever to pray to angels. We are never to ask an angel for anything. The Bible says that our only mediator, the only one that we are to be praying to is the Lord God himself through Jesus Christ. So don't call upon the angels of heaven to do anything for you. You call the Lord and he will respond accordingly as he sees fit. And this is important because we are not to, we see their power as worshipers, as warriors and as workers and their role in serving and ministering to the Lord and to us. And we are not to pray to them, Jesus is our mediator. He is the one we pray to, him alone. So that's important because a lot of people, they pray to angels. And, and angels don't respond to you. Demons do. Just a thought about that. Angels respond to the Lord. So if you want God's work in your life, then you just trust God to do it any way he sees fit. And he might use his workers to do that. But don't call on angels Angels are spirit beings. Don't call on spirit beings because the ones that belong to the Lord only respond to the Lord. They will not respond to us because we don't control them. So if you call on spirits, you might be calling on evil spirits, okay? Just a thought. So that's a, you just got schooled on angels. (laughs) We're going to talk about the others now, the fallen angels. And this is where we're going to get into some interesting scripture and focus on some things. Uh, Fallen angels, aka demons. Where do they come from? Revelation 12, 3 says, then another sign appeared in heaven, an enormous red dragon with seven heads and 10 hordes and seven crowns on its head. Its tail swept a third of the stars out of the sky. That's a reference to the angels and flung them to the earth. These are fallen angels. A third of heaven followed the enemy. Now that's, regardless of how you add that up, we don't know if there's millions and millions and millions and millions of these guys. We don't know. Uh, We do know that that heaven outnumbers them two to one. So regardless of how many, heaven still, uh, and, and God can still create more. He could have created more angels since then. We don't know. But at the time, he took a third, all right? Says the dragon, that's the, that's the enemy, that's Satan, stood in front of the woman who was about to give birth so that it might devour her child the moment he was born. Now, there's two pictures here of this. This is a picture of the enemy, and that woman has a double picture. The, that woman represents mankind, human beings, women who give birth to, women, uh, to, to men and women, women who give birth, it's mankind, and it also is a picture of Mary herself. And the enemy, the the devil, the serpent of old, he was cast from heaven and his desire is to devour and destroy 
mankind and her offspring and particularly had a focus on Mary who was to bring us the Messiah, the child, the savior of the world. So he has a war against mankind. So right now, there are fallen angels at war with us. We've been talking about that. We know what they are. We know what they can do. We know that they have certain powers. We talked about them briefly because whatever an angel can do is what a fallen angel can do. They have the same power minus the backing of God. I mean, when God's on your side, you can never lose. God's not on your side, you can never win. They are working in their own ability, however, so they have limited. These fallen angels, the word demon, everybody say demon. The word demon is actually a Greek word that means spirit. That's all it means. So these are fallen angels and their spirits are evil spirits. All right. Revelation 12, 7 goes on. It says, then war broke out in heaven and Michael and his angels fought against the dragon. There's the warring archangel Michael uh, who fought against the dragon. That's Satan, who is another angel. And the dragon and his angels fought back. Verse 13, when the dragon saw that he had been hurled to earth, that's not hurled, he hurled. (laughs) I like that. Uh, It says, when he had been brought to earth, hurled to earth, he pursued the woman who had given birth to the male child. That means he pursues, the enemy pursues mankind. He seeks to destroy us, to attack us, to devour us. Okay, so that's his mission. So what do they do? What do demons do? We're going to take a look at this through a passage in Mark. But here's a few basics I want you to know. Uh, They do Satan's bidding. Satan is not omnipresent. We talked about that last week. He has limited power. He has limited ability. Satan cannot be everywhere at one time, so he might send a demon to do something for him. So when we say that's the work of Satan, it's literally the work of Satan, but it may not be Satan himself working with you. It would be his demon. It would be a fallen angel. It would be one of his army, one of his commanders, one of his soldiers, whatever. We see that there is a hierarchy in heaven and a hierarchy in the, uh, the armies of the evil one as well. And they do the bidding of their master, which is Satan. We see a picture of this in Daniel 10. Uh, and the Bible implies that there are assigned areas, that there are certain areas where there are certain demons that, that are assigned to certain regions. You know, so we say like, wow, man, there's like a lot of spirits in Las Vegas. You know what? There probably are. Because there are specific, the Bible says, spirits, they call them princes of the air that are assigned to certain locations on the planet to do the most. That's why I said last week, I think there's a lot of evil and good warring uh, spirits in powers of politics in Washington, D.C. and around the world because there's powerful places of influence. I think the families, Christian families are full of demonic activity, not because they are involved in demonic activity, but because the enemy seeks to destroy and attack Christian families and to divide them, to separate them. Uh, the enemy is, is at war with you. He is on a war path against mankind. Uh, they work to inflict pain and suffering on God's creation. They work to paralyze you with fear. They work to lure people from false, uh, from, from God, from the truth, through false faith, unbelief, and heresy. So we see an example of this in Mark 5, which is where we're going to sit uh, most of this morning. So let's all turn there, or you can follow along. Mark 5, verse 1. One of my favorite stories in the book of Mark. It is an emotional, uh, powerful, tearful, one of my favorite songs ever by a guy named Bob Bennett. He wrote a song called Man of the Tombs. And uh, Google it. Write it down and Google it. It's a beautiful song based upon this story in Mark 5. So here we go. Verse 1, it says, They, that's the disciples and Jesus, went across the lake to the region of Gesserines, which is another word for Gadarene. So he was, uh, this is the man of the Gadarenes. Jesus was in a Gentile region. That means this is an area where there were, not, were not Jewish people. These were uh, Roman citizens living in Israel. So um, this was a place where non-Jewish people hung out. This will be important later on. Verse 2, it says, When Jesus got out of the boat, a man with an impure spirit, that's demon, came from the tombs to meet him. I want you to write this down. Demons are for real. Okay? 
Demons are for real. People say, well, you know what? I think you can be a Christian and not believe in demons. Well, then you don't believe in the Bible. And you don't believe in what Jesus believed. Because we see a very real presence of evil spirits throughout the entire scriptures. Not just the Old Testament, not just the Gospels, but through the entire New Testament. The Bible tells us evil comes from the flesh, the world, and from the devil. Last week we unpacked this, but I want you to know demons are for real. All right? Don't pretend that they are make-believe. Because that's right where the enemy wants you to be. Verse 3, it says, This man lived in the tombs. He lived in a graveyard. He lived in a cave region where people would bury the dead in caves. So he lived what we would consider a cemetery, a rocky cemetery. And no one could bind him anymore. Not even with a chain. For he had been chained hand and foot, but he tore the chains apart and broke the irons on his feet. Now what's amazing here, here's a guy who broke from the chains that kept him bound and he mistook his own freedom for being free. Some of you, you're living like hell right now and you are free, but you are really in bondage. You mistake your freedom for being free. Just like this guy here, though he was not in chains, he was a slave to himself and to evil spirits. It says, no one was strong enough to subdue him. Night and day, among the tombs and in the hills, he would cry out and cut himself with stones. I want you to write this down. Demons really do enter people. They do control people. Demons have the power and ability to control people and to enter people. I like, now, Ted, that's a little bit on the weird side. Well, that's why we're talking about it today, so that you get a biblical view of this. In fact, what demons look like when they possess a person is kind of described right here in the New Testament. This is, what, this is how you know someone might be demon-possessed. There's so many jokes right there. <laughs> I was just about to say some jokes. I better not. All right, for real, this is... <laughs> going to describe somebody um what demon they wear cowboy hats uh i'm just kidding <laughs> i love your cowboy hat i think it's really cool <laughs> i love you sean <laughs> oh i just need to stop because i don't make anybody else mad because it's so much it's funny this is how you know someone's demon possessed Brain it in, Ted. All right. They have supernatural strength. There's an example here. The guy was able to break metal chains. He, was, he had the strength of many men. Supernatural strength. Uh, a drawn to darkness. I mean, he wanted to live among the dead. He was drawn to places of death. He was antisocial. Uh, immodest. This guy kept ripping his clothes off. This, you can know that someone may be influenced by demonic spirits if they, they are, have complete immodesty or... Um, about their their body, uh, personality changes, intense personality. He was obviously not himself. You're going to see a life change in him in a minute. Uncontrollable screams, uh, in constant pain, feeling like you're you're in pain. You're constant tormented, severe depression, cutting yourself, self mutilation, causing and inflicting pain upon your own body, uh, extreme aggression. Um, and counterfeit information we're going to find here in a minute is that sometimes demons have access to information and uh, they use that against us to make it seem like they are more powerful than they are. So you see this throughout the New Testament. Demons really do enter people. But I want you to know, I want you to beware that not all these attributes mean somebody has a demon. All right, could be something else. Some might ask, well, why don't we see so much demon possession nowadays? Why don't we see it? Well, I think we live in a different culture here in America. I've been around the world. I've been in places around the world, not around the world. There's a lot of places I have never been. But I tell you, there's a lot of spiritual activity around the world. I've seen demonic activity, demonic possession. I've been a part of casting spirits out. Um, Actual worship of evil spirits and deep embedded Cultures that are in the occult stir up, I think, greater demonstrative out, you know, expressions of demonic spirits. And I think here 
our strongholds are quite different. And I think the enemy, his stronghold is not to expose himself, but to deceive us and to hide himself. So anyhow, we do not know how this man got an evil spirit in Mark 5. It does not say, but I want to give you some things that stir up and invite demonic activity in your life. Um, First thing is pursuing evil, just sin. The Bible says, and we talked about this last week, that doing what the enemy wants for your life invites demonic activity into your life. It invites demonic activity and bondage. Ignoring God's will for your life and pursuing sin invites demonic activity into your life. What does that look like for us? Well, not all demonic activity has an evil appearance to it or attached to it. It might come with good feelings. So some of you are dabbling in darkness and dabbling in demonic activity because it feels good, because it makes you feel good, or because you think it's right, or because you've explained away scriptures to back up what you feel you want to do. When you disobey God's plan for your life and you pursue sin or evil, you're inviting demonic activity and bondage into your life. Here's another way that demonic activity is stirred up, and that is by flirting with darkness. Deuteronomy 18 says this, let no one be found among you who sacrifices their son or daughter in the fire. That means someone who gives their children over evil practices. They were actually sacrificing their kids to, to gods on, on fire. They were laying in, them in the arms of these deities. They were actually putting them in, in, in boiling pots of, of fire and oil. They would also heat up these arms of these deities over fire and put their children in the arms of these deities. So he says, uh, obviously that's demonic. He says, those who practice divination, that means this fortune telling or sorcery. Now, some of you think of sorcery like, like, like magic. Sorcery is actually uh, a word for drugs. Um, the word pharmakeia uh, is the word sorcery, and it's where we get the word pharmacy. And when you see the word sorcery in the New Testament, it means it is drug-induced states where someone uses drugs like a Native American mysticism or shamans around the world where they use drugs to connect with the spirit walk or spirit journey or someone who uses drugs to get closer, quote unquote, to God or whatever. That's sorcery according to the Bible. And the Bible says that's demonic. Another thing it goes on to say, says sorcery interprets omens. Again, that is uh, superstitions and fortune telling uh, like tea leaves and crystal balls or reading palms, that sort of thing, or tarot cards engages in witchcraft. That is, that is pagan uh, spirit calling. That's those that are Wicca. Uh, those are involved in pagan uh, religions. That's witchcraft or cast spells. Those who, uh, or one who is a medium, one who is a spiritist, or who consults the dead, someone who is uh, trying to get answers by, you know, seeking great great grandma. You know, uh, that's you're not going to get grandma. You're going to get a, a demon. And the Bible says, when you consult the enemy, when you do these things, anyone who does these things, verse twelve, is detestable to the Lord, because. Of these detestable practices, the Lord will drive out those nations before you. That means that if you involve yourself in these things, your life will not succeed. And in their case, it will cause them as a nation to fail. So what does it look like for us? I put a few things on the screen here. What does it look like for us? Well, this is what demonic activity might look like for some of you. Now, this is real personal for some of you. You don't like what you see up there because maybe some of these things are yours. Uh, Obviously, we got a whole collection of movies right here. Happy Halloween. Um, It's like, man, what am I going to do now? Uh, The Conjuring was considered the scariest movie of 2013 uh, to date. Uh, That movie is all about demonic spirits and evil spirits. These are things that dabbling in the occult. Obviously, this is uh, comic books. It's uh, considered one of the the new great series called Demon Knights. And a lot of comics have demons and uh, demonic activity in it. Got the Ouija board things you think that are games are actually calling forth dead, the dead spirits. You got symbols like the hexagram and pentagram. Um, You've got, these are pagan symbols. They represent the Baphomet, which is uh, uh, Satan himself in in form. You've got um, crystals up there. You've got, there's a whole fashion craze right now where it is fashionable to wear occultic symbols. If you Google occult fashion, you'll find all kinds of celebrities 
that are obsessed with wearing pentagrams and upside down crosses. Some of those are like Jay-Z and Rihanna. These guys are like obsessed with occultic images and almost all of their clothing when they wear out. I even, oh God, help me. Even Kevin Jonas was wearing uh, a, a, a pentagram on a shirt this last year. I'm like, man, somebody needs to shake that boy, you know. This is a guy, I, his dad went to Bible college with us. We knew his father. And uh, this is, he's from a Christian family. And now he's involving himself in a, in a cultic apparel. Um, of course, movies, video games, the horoscope. Uh, Kesha is obsessed with uh, the occult. She's got a song uh, that actually where she said she pledged her life to the devil and her life's never been the same. Now she dances with the devil and she's just living her life when doing whatever she wants. And she loves living for Satan. That's what she says. Um, of course, you've got uh, Kanye West is Christ up there. And uh, here's a uh, Beyonce with the Baphomet, which is uh, she's obsessed. A lot of times she sings actually with a Baphomet, which is a a, a devil ring, a, a, the ring that is the uh, the pentagram. It's this right here. That's a, the Baphomet head. Um, this is a ring that's quite popular in, uh, in, in, in music and movies and clothing, that sort of thing. Point is, there's not enough time. The idea is that Deuteronomy 18 says, if you do these things, you're inviting evil spirits. Let me tell you something. When God makes war with you, you lose. When we do these things, the Bible says we are at war with God. So you either are at war with God and you lose, or you're at war with the enemy and you win because the Lord wins every time, all right? So let's get back to this man of the tombs. We don't know how he got involved and how he was filled with an evil spirit, but this is what happened in Mark 5, 6. It says, when he saw Jesus from a distance, he says, he ran and fell on his knees in front of him. These evil spirits ran as fast as they could to worship Jesus. You see this again and again whenever Jesus walked into a demonic uh, situation. Satan cannot stop Jesus. He, this man, this, this man filled with an evil spirit, many of them actually shouted at the top of his voice, what do you want? Imagine him screaming, what do you want with me? Jesus Son of the Most High God, he screamed at the top of his voice. He basically, these demons ran to Jesus, threw themselves at his feet, and began to worship him as God Almighty in the flesh. You are in the flesh, God before us. What do you want from us? And they're screaming worship to God. I want you to write this down. Demons know who Jesus is. Demons know Jesus. Some of you are like, well, you know, it's a good thing I believe in God. Well, you know what? Here's a verse for you. Sorry, I just spit. Here's a verse for you. James 2, 19 says, you believe there is one God? Well, good. But even the demons believe that and shudder. To believe that there is a God or to believe that Jesus exists is not a saving knowledge. Even the demons cower and believe in Jesus, but none of them will escape the judgment of hell that's coming their way. So before Jesus, think about this, before Jesus walked the earth, no one had power over demons. No one. Until Jesus. This is big, and they must obey him. Let's continue. Mark 5, verse 7, it says, In God's name, don't torture me. This is is the demons praying to God, crying out to Jesus, Please, don't torture us. And they said, For Jesus had said, this is they're responding to something Jesus had already said earlier, for Jesus had told them, come out of this man, you impure spirit. Then Jesus asked him, what's your name? And they said, my name is Legion. This man replied, for we, the spirits inside of him, are many. There was an army of demons inside of this one man from the tombs, this Gadarene guy. Now, we don't know how many a legion are, but Roman history has a legion of about, uh, meaning about 6,000 troops So we don't know if there are 6,000 demons or not, but we know there were a lot of them. There were many. He had an army of demons inside of him. And uh, he goes on to say, he says, and he begged Jesus again and again not to send them out of the area. Again, possibly uh, related to their region assignment. 
It says in verse 11, a large herd of pigs was feeding on a nearby hillside. Again, this is a non-Jewish community, so they were allowed to have pigs. Jewish people don't eat pigs. It's not kosher. So this was a Gentile community, uh, non-Jewish people. So the demons begged Jesus, send us among the pigs, allow us to go into them, and they and he gave them permission. And the impure spirits came out and went into the pigs, the herd, about 2,000 in number. So we know at least there were 2,000 demons, right? Because every one of those pigs were filled with an evil spirit. He says, 2,000 in number rushed down the steep bank into the lake and were drowned. These pigs lost their mind from the demons. An animal cannot work through the process of demon possession. A person can't either. We lose our mind, but they like to control us. I want you to know, demons don't, they don't want to fill a house. Demons don't want to live in my phone. Demons don't want to live in a book or in an object. Demons want to live in living, breathing creatures to cause torment on things that are alive and breathing. So when it comes to haunted houses and books and places, these are things that stir up darkness and anxiety. They are not of God. And, and I just want to say this about Halloween real quick. Is Halloween is, is an interesting holiday. It's the only time of year when apparently it's okay to, uh, to worship the devil. And it's, and it's apparently the only day that's okay for you to have the most horrific, demonic, horrible things in your yard and in your life and at the grocery store line. And, you know, you one month earlier and one month later, you think, man, this person's demonic, right? You go in a grocery store and there's like, you know, evil spirits and ghosts. Man, I ain't coming here anymore. You come in October. Oh, it's so cute. Happy Halloween, buddy. You know, what's wrong with our brain? Deuteronomy 18, let's get our brains on. You know, uh, here's what we do at our house on Halloween. We turn the lights on. We get the best candy in the neighborhood. And we have some fun. We project a movie on our garage door. We pull out our grill and we give away hot dogs and water and we don't set up a single ghost, you know, or vampire or scary object or emblem of the darkness. We have the brightest house on the street. We give away the best candy and we meet and greet every single neighbor and we have a blast. And every year we get hundreds and hundreds of people lining up down our street to get hot dogs and water. And full-size candy bars. And we shake hands and we love on them and we laugh and we have a good time. And there's not a single evil thing at our house. In fact, we don't decorate for Halloween at all. And every year people go, this is my favorite house. This is my favorite place. And, you know, the house down the street spent like $3 million on their haunted house. (laughs) And I'm like, really? They're like, yeah. We just buy hot dogs. And water. And they're like, this is our favorite house. They're calling friends. People are driving across town to come for a hot dog, right? You can be a light. The Bible says this is the day that the Lord has made every single day. October 31st belongs to Jesus. So I want to encourage you. Serve Jesus with it, all right? Just a thought, all right? Thank you, Ted. You're welcome. (laughs) All right, back to the man of the tombs. Um, Where am I? (laughs) All right, verse 14, I think. All right, yeah, here we go. Those tending the pigs ran off and reported this. What a bummer, man. Jesus just ruined your economy, right? Jesus got you fired. All right, those tending the pigs, they all died, remember, ran off and reported that this is the town and the countryside and the people went out to see what had happened. When they came to Jesus, they saw the man who had been possessed by the legion of demons sitting there dressing in his right mind, and they were happy. It doesn't say that. It says, and they were afraid. You'd think they would have been happy. I want you to write this down. Jesus sets people free. Jesus sets people free. This is, this is dynamic. A large part of Jesus' ministry on earth was casting out demons. And you want to know why? Because when Jesus, when God walks the earth, demons run. So no matter where he went, if someone had an evil spirit, it was going. Part of his ministry was to set the captives free. Mark 5, 16, it says, those 
who had seen it told the people what had happened to the demon-possessed man and told them about the pigs as well. (laughs) This man set free, but he got us fired. These people were out of their mind. Then the people began to plead with Jesus to leave the region. What? Man, he's here setting people free. And you want Jesus, you know, some of us, we do the same thing. Jesus, yeah, it's good that you're setting people free, but don't mess with my money. Don't mess with my job. Don't mess with my currency. Don't mess with my lifestyle. Don't mess with the things that I own. Jesus, you can do stuff. Just don't mess with my life. We do the exact same thing these guys did. Man, it's great, Jesus. You said him free, but stay away from me because I want my life to be the same. So they pleaded with Jesus to leave. And as Jesus was getting into the boat, this is powerful. The man who had been demon-possessed begged to go with him. Could you, man, could you see this? Jesus and the disciples are stepping into the boat. And this man, he's just running. Jesus, Jesus, can I go? Can I go with you? Everybody hates me here anyways, you know. Can I go? Jesus, can I go with you? And it's such a powerful, I'm just, every time I see this story, I imagine this guy just in tears. Man, he'd lived his life in bondage. He'd had no friends, no life. He'd been mutilating himself and living among the dead in a graveyard with chains and screaming and in torment. And now he's free. Jesus, I just want to be with you. Well, how powerful is that? But Jesus did not, let him go with him. And he said, but I want you to do this. I want you to go to your own people. I want you to tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. Man, he says, you know what? You got to tell people how God has set you free. So the man went away and began to tell the people in Decapolis, which is a 10 city region. Deca means 10 Apollos is like metropolis. It's a 10-city region, Greek metro cities. And he says he began to tell the people in this entire region, he might have been one of the first evangelists, how much Jesus had done for him, and the people were amazed. I want you to write this down. We cannot fight with our power, but only with God's authority. We see this again and again. People attempting to try to win the enemy went against the enemy in their own power and strength. This is a man who just met Jesus. You know, I've been a part of demon possessions and exorcisms and casting out spirits. We don't call them exorcism. I think that that's a Catholic term. It just means setting, you know, I've been a part of praying for people and seeing spirits cast out. And uh, I tell you what, uh, I've been in some places where they like, they put him in a, in a room and everybody's like, oh, you know, they're like, the guy's like, you know, and they're like, you know, screaming and shouting in three and four or five hours. Finally, the guy goes, Jesus. Oh, and everybody's like, eh. You know what? That's, that's not the Lord, I'll tell you. Because you don't see that in scriptures. You know what you see in scriptures? Demon come out. And it's gone. That's how you know if you're filled with the Spirit and, you, and if that's a real demon. Because demons respond to the Lord. They don't haggle with the Lord. You know, they did ask Jesus, you know, I know we, we're going to go, we're going to go, but, you know, can you at least send us into some pigs? And, and they let him. When I say haggle, I mean like, no, we're not going. No, yes, you are. No, we're not. Yes, we are. No, no, we're not. You know, it's like, you know, how you know, you know, you, if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, you have the power of the risen Lord who has conquered death, hell and the grave, and Satan himself, his head is crushed on the cross. You have authority through Christ over demonic powers and spirits. And you don't have to wrestle on the ground with them. You just you just call out Jesus and they respond because Jesus sets people free. But you know when you're in your own power, when there is a battle that is like, you know, a fist fight because we don't wage a war of flesh and blood, the Bible says. It is a spiritual war. But when we wage a war with God's authority, we see things happen. In fact, here's an example. Demons uh, are... Uh, the disciples are given authority over demons. Luke ten seventeen says, the 72 returned with joy. God, uh, Jesus had commissioned 72 disciples to go out and set people free uh, as a tr- kind of a trial run. And they came back saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. And he said to them, uh, well, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. He says, man, I was there when I saw Satan fall. So basically he's saying, you know what? They have, they're subject to you because of me, because I'm the one that kicked him out of hell. I mean, out of heaven. 
and I'm the one that's sending him to hell, and I was there. He's already fallen. He's a loser. He says, and then he said to them, uh, behold, I've given you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions. That's a, that's a, that means spirits. That means demonic spirits. And over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall hurt you. Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. He says, that's the real victory. Not that you have power over Satan, but that you have a relationship with Jesus and that you have a relationship with God Almighty. That's the victory that we rest on, all right? It's not a power struggle. It's not an authority issue. It's about, hey, yeah, I've got authority. It's about, man, I am subject to the one who is in authority. He says, there is no Bible passage dealing with how to cast out a spirit. Not a one. There's no step one, two, three, and four. There's no formula for casting out a spirit. We just see it happen. We just see examples of it. In fact, when we fight in our own power, usually bad things happen. Here's a few verses, funny little story before we wrap up. Acts 19. Here's an example of some guys fighting in their own power. Verse 13 of 19 says, Some Jews who went around driving out evil spirits, tried to invoke the name of the Lord Jesus over those who were demon-possessed. And they would say, in the name of the Jesus whom Paul preaches, I command you to come out. Seven sons of Sceva, a Jewish chief priest, were doing this. So there were seven sons of a priest that were casting out quote-unquote, trying to cast out demons in the name of Jesus and Paul. So verse 15, on the day, uh, one day, the evil spirit answered, Jesus I know and Paul I know about, but who the heck are you? He says, who are you? He says, yeah, I had to restrain myself there. Verse 16 says, then the man who had the evil spirit jumped on them and overpowered them all. One man took out seven guys and he gave them such a beating (laughs) that they ran out of the house naked and bleeding. Don't attempt to fight demonic spirits in your own power or you just might run away (laughs) naked and bleeding. (laughs) Lesson to the wise there. No, we fight under God's authority, not under our authority. Um, here's a couple of supernatural lies when it comes to demons. I want, you, I want to clear up uh, when it comes to supernaturals. Fortune telling. Isaiah 8 says that we are to look to God alone. And the Bible is very clear. God alone is the one who holds our future. Not a medium, not a spiritist, not a machine, not a fortune cookie. Uh, neither does uh, your yoga instructor. Uh, God's word is the source of wisdom and our future. And when we consult the future outside of God's word, then we are involving ourselves in demonic activity. Another thing, a lot of Christians, they think that maybe there's reincarnation. There is no reincarnation. Hebrews tells us that it is appointed for us to die once and then we face God. It's called we were appointed to die once and then judgment. That means that you only get one time around on this planet. This is a blip on the screen to an eternity, either in heaven and in hell. We're going to talk about that next week. But some of you need to get out of your mind the possibility of reincarnation. doesn't matter what that person told you. doesn't matter how many Joan of Arcs there are. You know, it's funny how many great people there are who are the same person, right? Well, I remember, very, I remember eating dirt. I was a cockroach. That I could maybe see. I'm just kidding. There is no reincarnation. You must let the Bible tell you what is the truth and don't let the enemy lie to you. And this last thing I want to mention, ghosts and hauntings. People say, what about ghosts? What do you do about ghosts? Well, the spirit of a person, the Bible says, goes to one or two places, heaven or hell. A believer in Christ is ushered into the presence of the Lord Almighty. And the unbeliever is, uh, is well... They're cast into a place of darkness and weeping and utter torment. If the person is not a believer, his spirit is tormented in a place eventually called hell, and there is no return from hell. There's no second chance. There's no get-out-of-hell card that you can get once you're there. There's no, you know, 200 years in purgatory, and then you get to go to heaven. It is either heaven or hell, period. There's not only not reincarnation, but there's no chance for you to come back and even warn your families. If you really like your house, you don't get to stay there after you're dead. 
what those are, are there demonic spirits lying to us, trying to get us to believe that there is no judgment after heaven, uh, that there is no judgment after this earth, and that there's the possibility of escaping hell, and that we might just be able to hang around our house for a while, or the spirit of our dog gets to hang around his backyard or something. Somehow we get this idea of watching movies like Paranormal Activity or, or Ghost Hunters or these paranormal hunters. I mean, give me a break. You know what they're hunting? Demons, and they don't even realize it. See, demons have access to history. They have access to your grandma. And remember, angels can take on temporary human forms. They can look just like your grandma. They can look just like your daddy. They can look like someone you know. But it is appointed for man to die once, and then you either go to heaven or hell. There's no hovering. So you need to realize that these ghosts are demonic activity, Christians. Demons are liars. They want us to be confused about life and death. Most paranormal is fake. The rest of it is the work of demons. So here's a challenge. I want to end with this one thought. If you feel attacked, start here. Come clean. Clean your house. God will never deal with us seriously until we deal with our own sin seriously. Why is it? Because sin is ugly. It hates, it destroys, it maims, it costs God his son. Because of our sin, Jesus Christ was mutilated and nailed to a cross, and his resurrection was victory over sin, held death in the grave. We unpack James 4. I want to read two verses before we're done here. Actually, i got a couple verses, but I want to close with this thought. God opposes the proud. That means God is at battle with you if you're living in sin. But gives grace to the humble. Verses 7 through 9 talk about resisting the enemy, Satan himself. In verse 10 it says, humble yourself. That means make yourself low before the Lord and he will lift you up. Turn to your neighbor and say, how low can you go? How low can you go? How low can you go? He said, yeah, thanks. It says, humble yourself before the Lord, make yourself low and he will lift you up. The problem is we like power lifting. The problem is we want to lift ourselves up. The problem is we like to, to try to throw off our own struggles and our own pains, our own attack. We try to combat the enemy on ourselves. The Lord says, no, just come to me, make yourself low before me, and I will raise you up again. I will lift you up. I will rescue you. We were not created to power lift. God is not a spotter. He is the weight lifter. So, Next week, we're going to talk a little bit about the opposite of being demon-possessed, and that is being Holy Spirit-filled. When you give your life to Jesus Christ, you know what happens? God makes his residence in you. You become a child of God. And that spirit that was tormented becomes free because of that one encounter with Jesus Christ. And the Holy Spirit comes inside of you, and you become the temple of God. First John 4, 4 says this. It says, you dear children are from God and have overcome them because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. Those demons in that man, they ran to Jesus. Satan cannot stop Jesus. They must listen to Jesus. So maybe you're a person of the tombs. Maybe you live in a place where no one goes. Maybe you live with a secret pain. Maybe you're crying out at night. Maybe no one can get to you and you feel like no one can touch you. An unseen enemy fills you with shame, with shame and chains. That was me until I met Jesus. With one word of forgiveness, he set me free. And that can be you too. So demons will have their final end. In response to God's promise to judge the wicked, 2 Peter says this, For if God did not spare angels when they sinned, but sent them to hell, he put them in chains of darkness to be held for judgment. Matthew 25, 41 says, Then he will say to those on my left, Depart from me, you who are cursed, into eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. Next week, we're going to talk about heaven and hell. I want you to bring somebody. We're going to talk honestly about what the Bible says about it. But I want to give you a chance to respond to God's grace and forgiveness. Will you humble yourself before him? Let's pray. Will you just take a moment to to humble yourself? Sean, come on over.
uh, to humble yourself before the Lord. Say, God, forgive me. God, cleanse me of my sin. Go ahead and talk to him. God, I make myself low. God, I've been trying to power lift. I've been trying to do this on my own. God, I feel attacked. God, help me to trust and rest in you. The lifter of my sin, the lifter of these demonic attacks. God, if there's our Christians here, Lord, I pray that you would comfort them to know that as a Christian, they cannot be demon-possessed. They are set free. They are filled with the Spirit of God. God, I pray that you'd help us to walk in freedom. Lord, in Jesus' name, amen. Here's what I'm going to challenge you. I'm going to let Sean do the offering, and then I'm going to answer some of those texts real quick. So you got a couple seconds if you want to send me one. Um, if you need prayer, if you feel like you're under demonic attack, I would love to, uh, to talk to you some more and to have maybe myself or some of our elders pray with you, some of our pastors. Uh, if you just have some questions and you don't want to text them, then uh, you can come talk to me after service, all right? As our ushers come, let's pray over the offering. Um, you know, if you're new here, just feel free to enjoy service day. Pass that on by. But if you're one of our faithful, be faithful in this. God, we just uh, come to you right now and ask you to bless this offering, that as we give um, God back to you, that you take it and you multiply it and you do some amazing things with it. God, bless the church and the community with what you're taking today. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay. This person says, uh, what is the name of the song at the beginning? Supernatural by DC Talk. Uh, but the, the real question is, also, could you explain to all of us how we are able to bring non-believers to church without being too spiritual to drive them away. Well, you know what? It's very appealing and attractive, love. So just love on them. Just love on them. Don't judge them. Don't love on them. You're not here to change their lifestyle. We're here to introduce them to Jesus Christ, right? You're not here trying to get them to convert. You're here and you're there at your home or work to try to let them meet the forgiver of sin and the one who is the, the freedom bringer, and that is Jesus. So love, the, the Bible says it's your loving kindness that leads us or draws us to repentance through the Holy Spirit. So just love on them and don't judge them and just love on them. This person says, if, we, if we're not loud enough to talk to angels, oh, if we're not allowed to talk to angels, does that mean we're not allowed to talk to someone who died? That is correct. You're not to talk, to pray, or, you know, you can, in remembrance, you know, if your heart is calling out to dad, I sure do miss you, or, you know, mom, I hope things are going great. If, don't pray, we don't pray to the dead. That is that is completely, completely um, discouraged in the Bible. We do not pray to the dead. We, you, you know, out of a, a longing heart for a child or a family member that you love, will naturally cause you to want to call out to them. But you pray to God, you talk to God, and you're not to request anybody that's dead to do anything for you um, because the Lord is that person. This person says, um, how were the devil and fallen angels cast down to earth if before God created it, it was without form? How long did they hang out before God created the world? We don't know that question. The question is, uh, did, were they, was the earth created before or after the fall? We don't know. We know that God created all things, and on the seventh day, he created man. And at some point, there was war in heaven. We didn't know if it was much later. And, uh, you know, maybe Adam and Eve had been there in the garden for a while, and then there was war, and they were cast out. The Bible doesn't give that timeline. This person says, why would God create human life in the dwelling place of the devil? He should have cast him to Mars instead. It's funny. You know, I think he just cast him out and he went to where God, he went to where people live. There's no Martians. Uh, he went to where there are living creatures. So guess where? He, I don't believe that there is intelligent life on other planets, personally. That's a whole nother lesson. Uh, there, I believe in the possibility of amoeba, plants, whatever. I don't believe there is intelligent life on other planets. So guess where the devil wants to hang out? Right here. Why did he create a universe so big and without intelligent life? Just like Psalm 8 says, so we can look at the universe and go, wow, God is big. He created the universe to reflect his glory. Just a thought. This person says, um, my mother's friend claims to be a prophet and has told her daughter that she has a demon in her because she listens to rap. I don't like rap music either. But 
I'm just kidding. I know what she means, but there's nothing wrong with rap as a style of music. Rap as a style of music is not a problem. There are music, whether it's rap or heavy metal or anything, if it promotes or encourages sinful or occultic activity, you're inviting, you know, evil into your life. She said that she'll be really happy uh, and then gets depressed and uh, and then not act like herself. And I was wondering if if I could uh, get your take on that. I do think that music influences us. Absolutely. I want you to know that I think some of you would have more victory in your life if you listen to more music that encouraged you in your walk with God, period. All right? You know, I'm not like an anti-secular music guy, but I know that what you put in your spirit encourages you in your walk with God. So feed your spirit with that which is healthy. If you're listening to things that are not healthy, that feed your depression or free, uh, or, or, or feed darkness or, or anger or rage or demonic activity, guess what you're going to respond with, all right? So I encourage you, feed your life with something that feeds your walk with God. Oh my goodness, I can't get through all of these. Um, I'm going to run through them. Um, this person says, Demonites was canceled in August. All right. That's that comic book. A comic person says that. Uh, that's funny. All right. What happened to the demons that were in the pigs? person asked. That's a good question, but they went seeking another person. So they went seeking people. The Bible says actually that if a spirit is cast out of a person and it's not filled with the spirit of God, then seven more will come back and torment that person even more. So fortunately, that person was filled with the knowledge and hope of Jesus Christ. Um, Raquel says, um, after the pigs were drowned, where the demons go? Good question. Um, also, I know Christians cannot be possessed, but can they touch you? I, I think the demons can attack a Christian and can even oppress or torment a Christian, but they cannot possess a Christian. And if a Christian is wise enough to know and acknowledge and discern demonic activity, you are free as a Christian and through the authority of Jesus can be free and walk in freedom. And like I said, if you want to know more about that and you talk to somebody, come talk to us. Uh, this person, why didn't God just destroy the devil? Well, the Bible says he will destroy all evil. And fortunately, he doesn't do that now because if he did, some of you would be gone today. Um, because God is waiting so as many people as possible might be saved. And so there will be a day when all evil will be destroyed. And at that point, that is when the devil will get his end. Um, someone says, thank you, needed to hear this. Uh, do demons have those dark, creepy voices? Or is that something we created to make us afraid? Uh, yes and no. Do they have those deep, creepy voices? No. Do they do them so that we can be afraid? Yes. You know why? Because they want us afraid. All right? So some of you, a demon might come as a good-looking guy. And some of you, he might come in a nightmare, all right, with a scary voice. Because if it's a lie, it's a lie. It is from the enemy, and his trick is to deceive, not just get you thinking he's an evil dude. Um, this person has a lot of questions. <laughs> Are demons associated with solid objects? Um, I particularly don't feel that demons are associated with solid objects but because they pursue and desire to be around living, breathing creatures. Even as a Christian, how can you tell the difference between life as it happens and demonic influence? I tell you, the enemy comes to divide, to distract, and to, um, oh, what was the other one I said? Divide, distract, and deceive. And uh, you know that it's, the enemy, when he is dividing you in marriage, that's demonic attack. Or in from a church uh, that is preaching God's word, that's demonic attack. Or from people that you're in relationship, that's demonic attack. To distract you from God, to deploy you, to get you off track with sin, that's demonic. Uh, and to um, uh, deceive you, and to get you to believe false doctrine, to, to believe lies. Uh, when your car breaks down, I don't believe that's demonic activity. That's, that's God building character. All right, you get a flat tire, you're late for work, you know, the, the devil didn't turn your alarm clock off. All right, it was, you forgot to set it right, and God's using that to build character in you. But if you feel like they're, that you and your husband are not getting along, 
You know what? That could be a demonic attack because the enemy wants you to build a wedge between you and your husband and your family. All right? Those are the, there's, it's good to have discernment. Knowing God's word gives you that ability. Um, lots of other questions. I'll answer them. Whenever I don't, I will respond in a text to you. Um, why did demons run to God and not away from him? Because demons still worship Jesus. That's why they must obey. Um, what's wrong with the sister wives? <laughs> That's a whole other talk, baby. All right. I don't think I had sister wives on the screen, but that's kind of funny. You know, I don't think there's anything wrong with sister wives, but I think, you know, they're Mormons. And they don't know Jesus. But, and I, I don't think it's probably a healthy thing to fill your mind with a bunch of just weird and stuff that's going to cause you to second guess God's thoughts on stuff. Um, if we're not allowed to talk to angels, does that mean we're not allowed to talk to someone dead? Yes. Are you allowed to ask God to tell someone who died something for you? And that's the last one I end on. My mother passed away a few years ago, and uh, my mother uh, and my and my brother died a couple of years ago as well. And uh, I miss my mother dearly, and I love my brother. I don't know if my brother is a Christian. I know my sister was. I mean, my my mother was. Um, my mother and my my brother died. I do not pray to my mother. I look forward to seeing her again one day. I know if your family or loved one is in heaven, they are fine. They're more than fine. They don't want to be here. They love heaven. They're, you know, and honestly, they're not missing you as much as you're missing them. But they want you to be there. They want you to be there. They want to they want to hug you. They want to hold you. They want to kiss you on your cheek again. All right? So let the Lord Jesus take care of those that are his. You just keep on missing them call out to Jesus you know that one day if they're a believer you will get to see them again that's called our blessed hope what a great question to end on because next week we're going to talk about heaven and you can ask questions like this and more next week let's pray God we love you thank you you are the forgiver of sins and the one who sets us free from evil God I thank you for your hope and your love that never fails we have no reason to fear because you are with us in Jesus' name. And everybody says, amen. God bless you. Thank you for listening to the Living with Church podcast. If you enjoyed this message, we hope you come visit us in Garland, Texas. For directions and more information about the church, go to www.livingwaychurch.cc.